Hey, welcome to Hallis Intrigue. This is Jason Leisure with Patrick Finley. And Pat, we got a special guest today, Bears General Manager Ryan Poles here at the Combine in Indianapolis. Hey, Ryan. How are you? Good. How are you? Is the car wash going okay so far? Yeah, it's going well. It's going well. Obviously, you're going to be asked a thousand questions by us and everybody else about this draft pick. Yep. How did you prepare yourself for being kind of the bell of the ball here? Is there... <laughs> Are you, are, did you walk into Indianapolis going, hey, I need to be caffeinated and ready to go and, or, or anything like that? Uh, not really. I mean, like I said earlier, the approach is the same. Um, there's just a couple more opportunities that we have on the table, uh, more resources. So it's really more exciting than, than anything. So um, I feel like all this comes fairly natural. And like we were talking about, just year two, a little bit more comfortable with everything. The idea of trading down, everybody's like, well, trade down, trade down. Obviously, you want to trade down. And you even said that that makes a lot of sense. Yep. But you talked about today the idea that you, you can't trade down too far because you guys need star players. Correct. So how do you weigh getting assets that you need to fill out a roster that has tons of needs, yep. but you still need a top player? Correct. So uh, we'll play the numbers game when we get back. Uh, we'll collect our medical, we'll have the interview process, we'll get some physical data from guys moving around too. And if we feel comfortable you know, with a certain group of players that are valued higher on the board that we feel like can, can help us, that'll give us an idea of how far we can go back if we have the opportunity to do that. So uh, that's the key, the key point of it, because you don't want to go so far back where you may not get the guy of the caliber you know, of talent that you need when you're picking at, at that position, and especially in the top 10. So. Um, we'll do a thorough, you know, workup of, of who's going to be there, uh, potentially for how how far we move back, and, and we'll go from there. You've mentioned the numbers game a couple times. Does that just mean breaking guys into tiers or clouds or whatever phrasing you use? Yeah. And, okay, here's the cutoff where we don't want to get below. Here. Correct. Yep. Yep. Guys that can impact our our, our team and um, make plays for us and, and be consistent and dependable. Um, those guys are in certain you know buckets on our board and. And that's how you kind of classify. That's how we have all of our scouts grade from the very beginning in summer all the way through our meetings just uh, last week. I was interested when you mentioned the possibility of, well, maybe we get a veteran back in this trade as well. Yep. What is the what is the balance of you need players and good veteran players would help this team tremendously in the short term. Yeah. But future draft assets, which I imagine is what they would be swapped in for, yep. uh, might help you in long term planning. I guess my uh, long-winded question is, how far along are you in this rebuild, uh, and are you far along enough that veterans make sense? Yeah, I think it depends. You know, if it's a veteran player, um, you know, what's their contract look like? You know, that's going to play a part. Uh, age, production, injury, there's all of those pieces that you got to put together to see if it makes sense for you. Um, and then obviously balancing picks, you know, for this upcoming draft versus picks in the future. Um, so we're going to play that game and, and see what it looks like. You've got money there. I mean, yep. is, there, is there a world where taking on a veteran's contract does might not be as onerous to you as to maybe another team? Yeah, I think, you know, we're seeing, you know, some of the fallout here before the league year of, of guys being released. There's some cap casualties as well that are going to be in the mix, you know, in free agency, you know, at the same time. So um, we'll weigh all of that out. Um, you know, obviously you want to stay as young as possible for this game. So, you know, that's the way we'll always lean. Um, but if it makes sense that we can get someone that can impact our roster um, sooner rather than later that's been in the league and that's proven, that, that, that helps too. When we talked to you at the end of the season, 
we talked about all this money, all this draft capital, yep. the bonanza, right. and you urged patience. Yep. Which, by the way, people in Chicago have been asked for for like a 40 long years. Time. Long time. My entire life totally they've been asking for patience. <laughs> yeah. um, how much patience should there be? Because I know that it does take time, yep. and you have a roster that bottomed out to the worst record in the league. Yep. But you don't get forever to turn Correct. it around. There's no doubt about that. I think uh, when I said that the patience part of it is is doing free agency the right way, um, staying in the parameters of, of where, you're, where you're at financially um, can pay off big time when it comes to now going back the year after and, and doing it again. Um, we've seen across the league historically uh, when you go too hard in free agency and the next year you're making cuts and you're doing different things with contracts um, that's usually not a good thing for sustaining success for a long period of time. I might have um, given you a little hit and spike of wins, um, but we're trying to do this thing where we can win for a long period of time and, and stair set up, step it up the, the right way. I don't want to climb up hard and then fall back down. I think no one has patience for that either. So um, doing it the right way is really what I was talking about with the patience piece and, and doing the contracts the right way so it helps us over a long period of time. Is there, was there any one season when you were with the Chiefs? that is instructive for this offseason? I mean, you guys were never drafting, obviously, as high as you are now, but was there an offseason where you had money and you, and you had picks? And, and if so, what did you learn from that? Yeah, I'm not, I can't remember the financial uh, piece, but we did have the first overall pick. Uh, we took Eric Fisher oh, that sorry, year. Fisher, yeah. yeah, so we've been through this process. Um, I don't think the opportunity, you know, for, um, you know, quarterbacks and, and movement was, was really uh, something that popped up at the time. Uh, so we picked the best player we thought, you know, at the moment. So, um, but I have been, you know, early in the draft and it's, you know, you have control and it actually slows down a little bit. Um, but if you do plan to move back, well, those scenarios start to pop up again. So um, I will say just that process of going from that first overall and climbing out of that to what it is today, um, you learn a lot through that. One player you, you have, you, I mean, you have some pieces in place. Mm -hmm. One move you made that had some urgency to it, it seemed like, was trading for Claypool. Yeah. Uh, just point blank, any regret now that you see what that draft pick was and how he played last season? Uh, I wouldn't say I have uh, regrets about that because I'm excited to see what he does this upcoming year. Um, if anything, you know, expectation-wise, probably prepared everyone and, and even myself to a degree that when you come in uh, at that time of year at that position, um, when you haven't had an offseason with that specific quarterback, that it can take some time. Um, so I'm really hoping this offseason that that all gels out and he can be the playmaker that I know he can be. Um, so I'm excited to see you know how far he comes this year. And he's he, he's got a lot to prove, too. The, the follow-up is how will you do that? I mean, how will you get him? Last year wasn't what anybody, including him or you, wanted right. when he did arrive, yep. even, even calibrating the expectations. Right. How do you get him to where you need him to be? Yeah, he's got to spend a lot of time um, here in the offseason with Justin in the offseason, catching balls, gaining that trust. Uh, when you're a, a big outside receiver, and he has played inside too, but when you're an outside receiver, those explosive plays, there's a trust element of play of throwing the ball to a cover man down, down the field who's going to high point in winning contested situations. So when you don't have that chemistry, it takes a little bit long to a little bit longer to build it. You knew when you traded for him where he'd be Claypool contract-wise, yep. and you have other players in this position, Mooney, yep. Komet, Jalen. Um, are you comfortable to have the conversation with Claypool and his representation about an extension based on limited body of work from last season? Yeah, I think we need to, to see more. Uh, I think that would be the smartest thing to do. Um, 
but we'll have those conversations and, and see what makes sense for both sides. Um, but there's, there's different circumstances for different guys that you know we do want to keep, and, and um, we didn't get a lot of opportunity to do it in our first year, but keeping that homegrown talent and keeping that core and re-signing guys back that we know and we're familiar with is definitely part of our philosophy. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting into the offseason and having some of those conversations. You mentioned Justin that we've gone eight minutes and 20 seconds without saying the word Justin Fields on our, on our side. So yeah. I'll break that streak. Yeah. I, when you talk about him, you talk about what you like. Yep. You also acknowledge, we know the passing numbers weren't good. Mm -hmm. uh, short of uh, putting better players around him and, and just more stability around him, yep. what does he need to do to get there? And what is your faith uh, that he can get there? Because it's, it's obviously a big moment for him, too. Yeah. I mean, if you go all the way back to college, um, you saw the moments where he can win with his arm and he can have those uh, unbelievable throws that can affect a, a football game. Um, in this league, the windows are smaller. The time to do it is, is shorter. Um, so things got to speed up, but at the same time, the game's got to slow down. And you start to uh, – I actually heard uh, – I forget what quarterback it was, but he was talking about just reading coverages and even going against Belichick. And he was talking about his Rolodex of – of coverages that he's seen that when the ball snapped, he can identify, he knows exactly where to go. So that's that's the part of the game. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him grow. He's plenty smart enough to do it. He's got great recall. Um, so just everything settled down. And he's had a lot of change. If you go back all the way from Georgia, you know, it's been in these one, two-year periods where coaches have changed, he's changed. Um, so hopefully this, uh, you know, stability uh, can, can help him grow. Social media has been in Bears land has been uh, full of hot takery the last yeah. six weeks and will be probably for another six. At some point, do you have to talk to Justin about, hey, you're going to hear people screaming for you to get traded. You're going to hear people screaming for them to draft a quarterback. Do you need to give him assurances about where you stand? Yeah. And also, and, and how do you convey that? Here? Yeah, we've already had conversations. You know, I do believe, um, and if you can go back to last year, I brought him in the draft room and, and we went through the draft process, how I thought it was going to play out. And um, because if there's a circumstance where we didn't take a quarterback, I didn't want I wanted him to know why and to not hear from everybody outside that you know I should have taken a quarterback. Well, we have a process and a, and a value system of how we use it, and and we have to stick to that in order to be a good whole football team. So uh, I feel like we've done a good job always communicating with him and letting him know because I knew the noise was gonna spike through this process with everything going on. So we'll always be in contact um, and, and talk through everything. You brought him in the draft. Oh yeah. On draft day. Days before. Days before the final draft, we saw it. Yep. Could you do that again? Uh, I'll do it every year with him. With him? Yeah. When I look at the the choices you have with the number one pick, yep. I, I just see almost, my opinion, I see almost no shot that you would take a quarterback, that you would trade Justin Fields and take a quarterback with that pick. You continue to leave the door just cracked open, yep. and I know you. there's some gamesmanship with this, like you're trying to drive up a bidding war. Yeah. I mean, how – Seriously, should we take that possibility? Yeah, I, I, I've been in this league long enough where the moment that you say for sure 100% we're going to do this, something shifts, shifts and change, changes. And, um, you know, I don't want to be caught up in that situation. So, you know, leaving the door open, you know, for some crazy possibility because of something that happens that I can't see right now, I think is the smart play. Um, and I also think just it's good practice to always um, – do your due diligence in the class that you have from the quarterback all the way down to even positions that you think you have locked up for a long period of time. I want to ask you, I want to circle back real quick to some of those guys that are in the extension 
conversation that we talked about. Yeah. Uh, you were in that position last year with Roquan Smith, and that's quite a challenge. Yeah. First time GM, oh, yeah. you've never dealt directly with something like that, and yep. it was a very complicated situation. Yep. Did you learn anything from that? Did you grow from that experience in a way that will help you as you are now going into, and granted they're different players, but yeah. Komet, Johnson, Mooney, Claypool? Yeah, um, I did. Uh, I think being convicted on... on where you think is a fair value um, is something that we stood by, but yet we, we worked um, to try to get something done, and it didn't work in the parameters that we thought were, were fair. Um, and then it, it gave us opportunity to you know get some picks to help our team moving forward. And at the same time, I couldn't be more happy for him. He got the contract he was, he was looking for. Um, so I think it worked out for everyone. Obviously, like I said, our philosophy is to keep homegrown talent. But there's going to be cer certain circumstances where it it's not going to work out. Um, and you don't see eye to eye. So uh, that was one of them. But just, you know, that one forced uh, heavy-duty communication, some, you know, what at times, you know, it's awkward communication. Cause it was Directly with him. Yeah, it was just a different setup. Yeah. So um, learned a lot just through that process, but really wouldn't change anything. I thought we handled it the right way. Um, and then it worked out, I think, for everyone. Do you think? Do you think it got too personal in any way, at any points between you and him, because you were dealing directly with each other, and that's so unorthodox? And so your your job is to make the case for why we shouldn't pay you. Mm -hmm. His job is to make the case for why you're wrong, and you guys right. are directly saying that to each other. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. Um, I think we're both similar in the sense of staying poised through that and level-headed. Never took it personal. I still don't. Uh, and I truly, when I say I'm happy for him, I, I truly mean it. Ryan Poltz, everybody. Awesome. You've got to go. Thank you for it was stopping good. by. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. So that was Ryan Poles, Jason, and uh, uh, we've let a couple of minutes pass. Uh, but curious what you thought about what he said. To me, the, the Fields talk is interesting. I was struck by him saying, you know, Fields is going to be part of our draft process every year that he's here. I don't think you talk like that if you're planning on trading a guy. I am, I'm governing my whole view of what their situation is with Fields by my belief that they were not going to trade Justin Fields. Right. That just seems so unlikely. Mm -hmm. Of all their possibilities, it's choose your own adventure with this number one right. pick. Take, a, take the top, keep the pick. Right. Take somebody like Will Anderson who maybe is worth a number one pick. Jalen Carter might be worth a number one pick. They might be that good. Uh, trade down and still get one of those guys and get some assets. Then there's the option to draft a quarterback and trade Justin Fields. I, I see that as the narrowest, I mean, like floss-thin mm -hmm. possibility for them. I do not see that happening. And we talked about that with Ryan Poles. I mean, yeah. one of the things I like about Ryan Poles is he's a GM. Yeah. He's an executive. So he's playing the game like everybody else. Right. But we, in his first year, calendar year on the job, we have asked him tough pointed, direct questions throughout, and he doesn't get upset about that. He no. takes the questions on. He didn't, you heard, Pat, in our conversation with him, you're asking him about this thing that is obviously something he doesn't want to show his hand on. Right. He doesn't just revert back to talking points. Right. He gives you the real explanation for why he's sure. doing what he's doing. Yeah, and, and you know, when it comes to, to Fields, he, I think you said, you know, he leaves the door open just enough, and he's sitting there going, well, you never know what might happen. I can't rule anything out. And, and I don't know what scenario it would be in which they draft another quarterback, but I, I think it, I think it's very clear by what he says and what he doesn't say that man they're going to trade this thing, don't you think? I think they are, but it is 
a tightrope walk for him to right. figure out how far back are you willing to trade. Right. The further back you trade, the more you're going to get. Sure. Right. If, you, if there's somebody picking 16th that wants right. to trade up to number one, right. I mean, you'll get everything for that. But, but then you're picking 16th, Pat. And, like, remember, what, what was one of the reasons Ryan Pace got fired? Not enough blue-chip, five-star, all-pro players on this roster. Right. That's, that's going to be a problem for any team. You have to have stars on the roster. They can't fill out this roster with a bunch of, like, B and C-level players and think just the collective go get them, play hard coaching style of Matt Eberflus is going to make that a, a contender. You need star players. Right. And when Poles talks about the numbers game, I – do you remember when Ryan Pace would talk about the clouds of players? Yeah. I think the numbers game is Ryan Poles' clouds, if that makes sense. But, you know, I sit there. If it were me, I wouldn't go below four. I think four is where you can guarantee yourself one of the two good defensive players, either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, um, because you're trading the pick to somebody who's going to use it on a quarterback. And then you've got the Texans drafting second, and they need a quarterback. Uh, I think that's a... That's where I would draw the line right now, which would make your trade partners either the Texans or the Colts. To me, you're not going to get a lot moving down from one to two, but you probably would moving from one to four. Yeah, I think that when you have this opportunity, you want to walk away with a player that you think could be a Hall of Fame level player. Yep. And I like your chances better at four than I do at eight or ten. Something like that. I think you still could get somebody good, right? But you're not looking for good with that pick. Yeah. You're looking for, and if, and if what you're taking is a pass rusher, yeah. that is like taking a quarterback. It's not the yeah. same, but in terms of the impact, it is the next closest thing. Sure. Um, as far as turning your team around. Do you think they'd want a veteran back if they went to the Colts? And I, I'm just asking because of this. Matt Eberflus knows that defensive roster as well as anybody True. walking the earth. They have DeForest Buckner as a three technique. Um, they have uh, Kenny Moore at safety. They have guys that Eberflus has talked glowingly about to us. And as we talked about with Poles, they have the money to take on expensive contracts. It, is there a formula there? Or, you know, because like you said, they need dudes. Or are you sitting there and going, you know, you know he said, like Poles said, younger is better than older. Are you sitting there planning for 2024 and 2025? I suspect he wants draft picks, yeah. not players. Um, it's a valid point that you're bringing up because the question becomes, again, something we talked about with him, uh, how patient are we talking about here? Because right. this team just went 3-14. and 14, Right. And, I, they're, you know, there's not going to be a parade if you go 6-11 and 11 next no. year. Right. And then maybe like 9-8 and eight the year after that. Right. So as much as I love the idea of incrementally building something over the course of 10 years, yeah. nobody gets that kind of runway. Right, sure. This has to happen sooner. And, and it's not just like about Ryan Poles will be on the hot seat or something like that. It's that it doesn't take that long. Right. It doesn't take five years to fix a team. Other guys can do it quicker. Ryan Poles wants to do it quicker. Sure. So there is some validity to your idea of, like, do you want DeForest Buckner, for example, right. or Quentin Nelson to help fix your roster with veterans? But I, I got to think that he wants to be working with a blank canvas and picking his own guys and drafting. And also that's probably at the expense of a 2024 first-round pick. And I'd rather you know, have the pick. I'd rather have the him. pick, and we've talked about this before, Jason. One reason – to want the pick is if you are if there is a little bit of uncertainty about Justin Fields and, and I think even to the Bears who love him they acknowledge that he's not there yet and he needs to get better it's a hell of an insurance policy to have your own one and say the Colts won in 2024 in case in case your opinion of your quarterback changes yeah and on that note by the way Matt Eberflus talked about Justin Fields today and you can't 
know where Justin Fields is going to go from here. Right. But Matt Eberflus, and I share this opinion, yeah. said that Justin Fields is where he should be right now. Yeah. At the end of year two, and, and somewhat taking into account all of the roster and coaching turmoil mm-hmm. around him over his two years right. and, and transition and things like that, he's on track. Mm-hmm. Whether he follows through right. and gets to that destination is unknown, mm-hmm. but he is on track for where you're at right now as a second-year quarterback. And so if I were them, I like that idea of uh, letting that trajectory play out and doing everything I can with offensive line and wide receivers to facilitate him moving that direction. And I get back to this, and you and I have talked about this off-air already today. Imagine being the Bears GM that trades Justin Fields. Doesn't that just guarantee that he becomes a Hall of Famer and and, and you... Uh, and you never work again. Yes, Anywhere. <laughs> well, and at some point, I mean, you know, the nice thing about being a second-year GM is you don't really have to worry about the self-preservation thing quite yet. Right. But, man, that's uh, the fastest way to get fired. If we're playing shoots and ladders, that is the shoot. Uh Shoots are the bad ones, right? I'm, I don't know. I don't play that game. Yeah. I, I don't remember that game from childhood. He he doesn't have urgency in the sense of, like, his job is threatened. Sure. Everybody knew what they were getting into. Sure. Uh, George McCaskey was fully on board with right. this demolition that they did. But he doesn't want to wait forever. Ryan Poles isn't going to want to wait forever. No. Kevin Warren, who's just starting on the job, isn't going to want to wait forever. Right. Like, they want to get this going sooner than later. And, like... I don't know how much patience there really is going to be. It is going to be interesting to watch because you saw him be very, very conservative in free agency last year, but he had to be. Now he doesn't have to be. I think it's worth reminding people that good NFL teams are not built via free agency. Not usually. Nope. Not usually. Nope. And And like that's... and, And like he said, okay, you get a couple wins better this year, and then next year you're... You know, selling you know you're selling your furniture on Facebook Marketplace because you spent too much. Uh, that's that's the. I mean, you used to say Ryan Pace used to talk about swimming in the depths of free agency and about how that's nothing anybody really wants to do. Yeah. The Bears are forced to this year. I don't see. I mean, I think I give Polls credit for acknowledging that it's um, it's not what you want to do year in and year out, and it's risky. It's risky and expensive, and they're going to pay. They're going to overpay a bunch of guys because of that. You'll have to. Yeah. Because that's the other thing about free agency is you don't just get to choose who you have. No. you got to outbid. Well, and the other thing so is... So, like, how do you get Orlando Brown? You have to pay him more than anyone else is going to pay him. Right. And at least the Bears at least the Bears have Justin Fields. For years and years and years, the Bears would go talking to offensive free agents. And it's really hard, short of just paying more than everybody else, to sell them on, come play with uh, Andy Dalton or Mitch Trubisky or an aging Jay Cutler. I, I think you can make an argument now that being part of what's going on with Justin Fields might be appealing to a wide receiver or running back if it comes down to that. But I think you and I have both been doing this long enough to know that really what it comes down to is who's going to give me the most money, as it should be. Let me ask you one more thing about what he said to us, about what Ryan Poles talked with us when he was on. Let me go through the list of guys up for extensions. You tell me if you think an extension gets done before the start of the season for these guys. Okay. Darnell Mooney. Yes. Cole Komet. Yes. Jalen Johnson. More than anybody else, yes. And Chase Claypool. No, 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 no. One of the things Paul said was, uh, essentially, it ain't happening. He said we need to see more, which I heard as we need to see him play more. Yeah, we need to see more on a football not, field. Not, not more, we need to see more in OTAs. Right. 
Right, which I think is smart because good luck agreeing to a deal that makes both sides happy here because I'm sure his agency looks at uh, looks at Claypool and says, you know, pay us like the receiver we think he is. And Paul says, I want to pay him like the receiver I've seen in a Bears uniform. And that number is millions and millions of dollars apart. I don't think Poles is lying when he says he does not regret the trade. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got to convince himself. Right. He's got to be so convicted that he has no doubt about sure. that. Would you regret the trade if you were him? I would regret not doing everything I could to give them the Ravens draft pick instead of my own. Well, it wouldn't have worked. Well, I don't think... Because Green Bay's offer was better. I don't think the Bears knew on Halloween that they were going to lose the rest of their games. No. Uh, I don't think it was coordinated. I don't think it was coordinated until maybe the last three weeks of the season when that first round pick or first overall pick became uh, possible. Yeah, I think I'd regret it. Why wouldn't you regret it? Um, Right now... There are two things that could happen this upcoming season. Chase Claypool is so great that you have to pay him a lot of money to stick around, or he is so bad that you let him walk for nothing. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. Re- I would regret it if I were him. But you know, if you look at the free agent class right now, you're right. But again, with receivers, it's not usually about free agency. It's usually right. who is disgruntled and wants out. And it's kind of like know, an NBA. Is it Mike right? Evans or yeah. is it DeAndre Hopkins or one of those guys? But I mean, I'm not sure that. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is better than Mike Evans at this point, I think, because Evans has, has played so sparingly for three years. If you line those three guys up and said Claypool, Hopkins, or not, I'm sorry, not Evans, I'm thinking of Michael Thomas. Yeah, from the Saints. Yeah, Michael Thomas. Mike Evans has been playing. Yeah, Mike Evans is a good player. But, I mean, I'd rather have Chase Claypool than Michael Thomas, wouldn't you? I mean, maybe? Well, I th- a better conversation would be, like, do you, would you rather have Chase Claypool at his price, or DeAndre Hopkins at his price, for example, which would be, I think, like $27 million a year. For right. The next couple of years. And at his age, for example. Yeah. I think I'm totally with you that Komet and Mooney, those extensions are going to get done no problem, and that Claypool won't. And I think it really plays into Paul's hands that he struggled as far as, I mean, he needs them to become good. But as far as where we're at right now talking about extension, there shouldn't really be much pressure on Poles to get an extension done here. Johnson is the interesting one. Right. Because yeah. I think he's great, and I think they need him. Do they think they need him? Like, there, are they willing to pay him top cornerback money? There is – he's been a weird case compared to some of those other guys. Remember when we, we were here last year and we said, Ryan Poles, who you got on your team that you like? He said, Mooney, and nothing else, more or less. And uh, and then Komet, you know, at the end of season press conference, hey, who – you know, you know uh, – you know, who are you going to extend? Comet. I mean, was the answer, more or less. Johnson seems to be more of a rocky relationship. It really does. And and I don't know that it's got any sort of mean-spiritedness to it, but remember, this is a guy who was running with backups at some point during during camp. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard to articulate this well, and I apologize, but there were opportunities during the year for Eberflus to say things about Jalen that he did not say. And that kind of omission makes you wonder. Eberflus and Alan Williams both seemed slow to affirm for you that Jalen Johnson is as good as you think he is and he thinks he is. But I think he's really good. I think he is too. I also think he will not give an inch on money. Uh, uh, Mooney and Komet, I think, are guys that are more likely to agree to contracts that the Bears are going to like, that are going to work for both sides. 
Jalen Johnson is going to want – Jalen Johnson feels underappreciated, not necessarily by the Bears, but, like, in the right. view of the league. Right, sure. And he is going to want every cent of what he can get in an extension. And it's going to be interesting to see if Ryan Poles is willing to go to the max for that. Well, and a good corner is worth a, a lot, lot of money. A lot. Certainly more than a good inline tight end, which is what Cole Komet's going to be. My guess, Jason, is we see two of those three guys get done here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but we will see there will be plenty to talk about. We are at the NFL Scouting Combine all week too, Jason. So maybe we'll check back in with the people uh, during the course of the week. Until then, you can follow us at the Sun-Times, uh, pick up a newspaper, check us out on Twitter. And the same goes for the great Mark Potash, who is far afield right now. He's Jason Leisure. I'm Patrick Finley. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again real soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.